Welcome to Tell Me More About Co-Housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-Housing Houston is a multi-generational community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We are developing the first co-housing project in Texas in Houston, even ahead of Austin. Morning, Kelly. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? I'm great. Great. I'm Happy great. Monday. Happy Monday. <laughs> hey, you know, I've been thinking about um, this piece that I wrote for my writing class last week that I sent oh, yeah. you. Yeah. You know, we had to write, the prompt was, I was not sorry. And it's interesting, I ended up down a path, as usual, I never expect going. That's kind of how writing is. Um, about the me becoming a mother for the first time and suddenly being plunged into extreme loneliness uh, from, you know, one day being flying high, you know, million tasks on my to-do list, meetings back to back to suddenly being at home with this, you know, squalling infant. And, um, you know, it just made me wonder when I finished the piece and I submitted, I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder if that would have been totally different if I had been living in co-housing way back then. Because I ended up then having this desperate, you know, couldn't wait to get back to work since the whole time that first maternity leave. Anyway, I just, I thought, what do you, what did you think about that, Kelly? How was your first child experience? Mine was actually pretty similar to that. It was that I felt like I had every day a really satisfying list of things to do. And I took a lot of satisfaction out of, you know, getting things done. And then suddenly I was at home with a colicky, crying baby who I couldn't get anything done mm -hmm. other than sit on an exercise ball and bounce and play music <laughs> and, and try to get this child to quit crying. And it was, it was similarly very, very isolating and very, very lonely. Um, but then, you know, it's interesting because my story has like a couple of turns. Mm -hmm. um, I went back to work and we hired someone to, um, to watch our daughter. And it seemed like that was going to be the answer. I would be away for four hours a week. But, you know, pretty quickly I figured out that I wasn't really there when I was there because mm -hmm. four hours a week or four hours a day, sorry, is not very much. And then, um, and, and at home, it's hard to extricate yourself and then come back in. The getting ready to go to work takes a really long time if you're yes. only going to be there for four hours. So I stayed until uh, our daughter was about nine months old. And then, and then I left and I left my work and I've not uh, gone back. I mm. pulled the girls. So it's funny. I wound up in this very, very, um, you know, domestic um, situation, though it didn't start out that way. Yeah, I tell you what, I, my hat goes off to women like you because it takes enormous tenacity and kind of sense of self to stay there and manage your way through that life. In so many ways, it's almost easier to go back to work. And I think a lot of people don't appreciate that. Um, no, just, I don't know, Lynn. I've been hearing your stories about your management skills of being able to manage both life at home and life at work. And to me, you know, especially stay-at-home moms, I think... <laughs> We really admire people who are that organized and who are able to grow children up in an environment where they're loved and happy and fulfilled. Kelly, please do not. You're describing that. And <laughs> let me, this is what I used to tell people. People would be completely amazed at the things that I would do. And I would say, I thank you very much for your compliment. But let me tell you, there's no grace at my house. 
it is not fun to live with okay, me sometimes. So Lynn's kids are grown. So the yeah. proof is in the pudding. Her kids are amazing, wonderful adults. Thank you. My kids are still teenagers. So, you know, <laughs> the jury's out on whether or not, which, which one is going to be the more successful parenting yeah. strategy? Who knows, right? Well, I think the thing is um, that when you're running such a tight operation like that, there is no room for failure. And um, there's no room for anything to go wrong. And if things go wrong, you, you, you can get into really serious trouble. We just got really lucky that our kids were just solid. They were able to survive all kinds of hard knocks and stories, you know, horrible stories, but they did survive. But if they had been different and, you know, not everybody has that kind of constitutional fortitude, you know, we're all born differently, that there's no room to kind of, you know, work with that and kind of, you know, have life be a little bit more of a gentler, softer landing place than it can be if you get on such a type schedule. So Which let's explore. What, yeah, I was going to say, I think that that's what co-housing offers, yes. Lynn. You Perfect. know, that's what, yeah. the, it's the gentler, kinder, a little bit of a softer landing space yeah. than, than the rest of life gives you. Yeah. So let's talk about some of these aspects about co-housing. So if I just, let's just take this very first kind of week or two, we've got this, you know, new baby, we're plunged into this. Let's say I had been working and you had been working at the time, but we were in co-housing and we get this new baby and we come home. How would that have looked different? So my coming at home was, you know, I had my husband there for first week, but then he quickly left. And I was just, I can't tell you, it was the most deeply isolating week of my life. That first week he went back, I was like, oh my gosh, this was pre, pre-internet, you know, pre all of this stuff. Yes. And I knew nobody, yes. you know, I knew nobody in my neighborhood. They all worked and left. So how would that have been different in co-housing? Describe well, that for so, me. Yeah. So I didn't have my, when I had babies, we did not live in co-housing, but I've seen babies born in co-housing and I'll tell you what, what life was like for those people. Um, You know, usually, well, definitely before the baby is born, everybody of course is completely aware that this baby is on its way. And so people have asked the parents, you know, what they envision needing, um, what kind Mm. of support are they going to need, what meals particularly are a big part of it, you know, just stopping in and and bringing a meal, or, you know, co-housing is famous for its porch drop-offs of, you know, people just leave things on your porch that you need, (laughs) they just magically appear. Yeah, so I think that that's probably, you know, the support that is needed um, for kind of easy babies, nothing, nothing's going wrong, but I had a colicky baby. And so, um, when I've seen other colicky babies in community, what happens is you have people who hear that baby crying and come and offer to Mm. walk that baby around. And you'll see somebody who is not that baby's parent walking that baby up and down the sidewalk to try to help, to give everybody, Mm. everybody takes on a little bit of the burden so that no one person is overwhelmed by it. And definitely, My husband and I had uh, parents come in after our kids were born for a couple of months, but even three people are overwhelmed by a colicky baby. They're just, there isn't, I don't know, a a community would have been enough, but three people is not enough. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a village, huh? Yeah. Wow. I I, I like I like the way you describe that because that does remind me of like when we finally would have a Thanksgiving or a Christmas dinner and there would be the extended family and the baby was being passed and passed and passed or taken outside so I could eat, 
yes. in peace. Because when the baby is screaming, you know, all kinds of things happen to you biologically, especially at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Well, just so. think about like grocery trips, things like that. Yeah. You know, it's not so difficult now because you can order and have things delivered. But even that takes like brain space. And, you know, it's, it's still hard to organize that if you haven't slept and you're trying to yeah. care for this, you know, tiny human being who needs everything. But right. your neighbors do that for you in co-housing. They go to the grocery store and pick up what you wow. need. And then they cut up the veggies for you. And then oh, they wow. tell you how to make the stir fry. And then you're fed and it's good. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, I remember you saying something about the end of day routine. There's some story there yeah. that you were talking about. Yeah. So, okay. So I was a stay-at-home mom. And so I wasn't, you know, working at all outside of the house. And yet we wound up having three kids within, <laughs> within a span of three and a half years. So when my youngest was born, I still had a baby and a toddler um, all day. And my husband was like, I have to work. Like, you can't call me at four and be like, <laughs> what time are you coming home? You know, I, his job is not like nine to five at all. You know, he was like, sometimes I have to be out until, you know, eight or whatever. And I was just like, I can't do it. You can't. So, yeah. No. So he, this is like his, his shining act of um, chivalry in our family. He found a nanny and after an, an af, end of day nanny, she would show up at four and leave at seven. And it was just enough time for me to take a nap mm. or to make dinner or to just do something, go for a run, think, shower, anything. Um, and so I think about that versus in co-housing where the end of the day in co-housing often um, involves kids playing out on the sidewalks. Mm. You know, they're just out there. Everybody's kind of home. Everybody's kind of done stuff. There's some activity. Kids are out there playing. And so moms will come out and stand around and chat and babies just, you know, get passed around. It's just like your Thanksgiving dinner, only it happens, you know, every day from four to seven. And I think that would have been really different. I, I loved our nanny for so many reasons, but it would have been really great yeah. to have the girls be able to go out and play with, you know, friends and pass the baby around. And I would be fed, you know, by, by having contact with other people. Yeah. I love that. I really love that. Cause by the end of the day, you've just had it. I do remember yeah. waiting. What on was the, your end of day? Like, oh my God, I was sitting on the driveway waiting for my husband. And if he, I, mean, I knew what time he could leave work and he would, <laughs> if he was a minute late, he was in trouble. And as soon as he showed up, he'd barely open the door, get in his briefcase out. And I would just throw the baby at him and say, this is your son. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. I'll be back in an hour. I'm going for a run. So it was not Again, once again, not pretty, but it was what I needed to survive. <laughs> but, you know, you were you were talking about that pedway hour and the end of the day and the connections. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, I, I envision that would have helped me is just connections with other adults during the day. Because, like I said, my whole... All, I didn't necessarily have just only my company kind of work relationships, but everybody in my life was a working person. I was a very late in my 30s, first time mom. And so my whole world was about people who worked. And I didn't know anybody who stayed at home. And I know that that's something that you have told me you've appreciated in terms of just, you know, other adults and other adults who know you as an adult and not as a, a functioning, skilled professional and not just as a stay-at-home mom. Maybe you could say a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It works both ways. Because if you ask my husband, his kind of favorite thing about co-housing is that he his, he has kind of a similar uh, world to yours. Like, 
you know, he has a ton of people all over the country, but most of them are related in some way to work. He's worked, works with them now, has worked with them before, you know, there's a professional whatever. Mm -hmm. And so that's their lingua franca, right? They talk about those things and, you know, they're friends in other ways too. And they do fun things together, but, but really like that is kind of the, the thread. Um, and for me as a stay-at-home mom, it's super easy when you've got little kids to meet other stay-at-home moms, but it's really hard to tap into the people who are in the working mm. world. So, you know, in the, in the evenings, when you come to a community dinner and you're talking about, you know, things that you have done or that you're interested in and the people who are working say, oh, I have this project or, mm. oh, let's do this in this way. It allows you to keep your skills mm -hmm. and it allows you to um, do projects that you otherwise wouldn't have access to. Right. Um, I use our chicken coop as an example. Uh, we, we built a community chicken coop. And so we kept chicken accounting and we would, um, you know, write down the number of eggs that we had. And then we would do an ROI on nice, the chickens nice. and the organic feed and, you know, all these, <laughs> all these yeah. different things that, you know, were from my investment banking background that I was I able it. to keep up with. So now I'm walking out of, you know, this intensive parenting stage with those skills still intact, maybe not right. perfectly intact, but at least they're intact yeah. enough that I can get back as opposed to feeling like yeah. I'm totally out there. Well, you know, so that's, so that's the, uh, you know, we've talked about the connections between people that, you know, feeds our soul, but also there's this self-actualization component of really having an opportunity to exercise your skills. Um, and maybe that is also something, you know, that applies to older generations, you know, as they kind of exit the workforce for different reasons, which leads me to thinking about the multi-generational component of parenting. I, I remember, um, you know, just how, how helpful it was for me and my church community at the time, the older women there, when I would just be like frazzled over something that I thought I was going to have to endure for the next 18 years until they went to college and they would just very gently reassure me, no, honey, this will probably change next week. You know, this is yeah. just a very short phase. Yeah. And um, I just envisioned that that would also be very helpful in co-housing. Oh, definitely. You know, especially because I think when you're a parent today, there is a lot of information on the internet and um, your peers generally have kids in mm. around the same age group. So there's, I have a very dear friend whose um, child was a late walker. Um, I assure you, she is 15 and walks just fine now. But at the time, that caused a lot of consternation. Yeah. Because all of us had kids who were around the same age and they were all walking. You I know, bet. and I think if she were yeah. in co-housing, she would have heard a chorus of people saying, right. oh no, she's going to walk. You ran this by your pediatrician and that your pediatrician said, don't worry. So let's listen to that person. You know, it just would have been a chorus of people kind of supporting her in that way, mm -hmm. as opposed to those of us who were parents who didn't have couldn't, didn't know anything beyond our own experience at that time. Right. Well, that kind of leads us to the, I think the last little tenet of this that we wanted to chat about was the support, um, the support, and then also the celebration, you know, so what happened when that child finally did walk? Do yeah. you remember that? Yes. Yes. It was with great excitement, you know, and everybody felt yeah. like we were a part of that because, we'd all kind of watch this happen and see it go down. And, you know, you really celebrate that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think about, you know, my girls were older in co-housing, but there would be skills that they had worked on with friends and then they go in and do the performance or mm. turn in the work or whatever it is. And 
all of the moms are cheering them on because right. all of us have an investment in that kid doing well um, because, because we care about them. We know yeah. them really well. You know, one thing that kind of just strikes me, I know it's a really incredibly trite saying, but it proves itself time and time again. And that is a, you know, a joy shared is a joy doubled yes. and a trouble shared is a trouble halved. And yes. it's so true. You know, it is Let's so use true. that for the math of co-housing. I okay. Like there you go. There's co-housing math. Yeah. Um, so what do you think, Kelly? Would our trajectory have been different? Would you have, <laughs> would you have stayed working longer? I believe I, I believe I would have, you know, I just believe that with with more support, it would have been possible mm. to kind of figure all of that out and make it work. Um, I don't know though, you know, and I also have to say, I'm really happy with the way things turned out. So it's a little bit hard to, to look back and think what mm -hmm. I wanted to keep that, keep doing that one thing. I don't know. How about mm. you, Lynn? What do you think? I think I definitely would have continued working, but I would have been so much happier and it, and um, I probably would not have had the experience at the supper table six months after I retired when my junior in high school said to me, you know, mom, you're so much nicer since you retired. <laughs> <laughs> so we probably could have avoided that. Oh, well, um, <laughs> makes me wonder what other situations in life might have been different or will be different in the future as we work yeah. together in community and we finally move in in a year from now. So what do you guys think as our listeners? Do leave us a comment. Um, you can email us at info at cohousinghouston.com and you'll just get to me and Kelly. We're pretty much the ones that man that email or just click on contact us on our website and send us some ideas. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, especially if you're of a different generation, we'd love to yeah. hear how co-housing has changed you or how you think it would, because uh, we're talking about motherhood here, but we'd love to hear about different people's experiences. Thank you. Well, thanks for stopping by. So glad you clicked on our episode today. For more information about our project, Co-Housing Houston, go to cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about co-housing, we like cohousing.org. And we're really active on social media. So check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Co-Housing Houston. Bye for now.